Welcome to Surfcast. Thank you for joining me. This world is chaos. At 56 years old, this present day chaos is the worst I have ever seen. We're still facing the woes of a COVID-19 pandemic, abuses of authority by corrupt police personnel on people of color, a political nightmare crossing all party lines, long overdue and much needed civil rights protests, and even murder on our streets. Our major cities look like a war zone most nights and people are divided on every issue. We need help in North America. In this episode of Surfcast, we will listen to the wisdom of two church pastors serving on the front lines as we address the role of the church in chaos, in particular, racism. We will be right back to welcome my guests, Pastor Eddie Gervais and Pastor Travis Johnson, along with the return of my longtime co-host, Christian Swear. We'll be right back. guys welcome to Surfcast. Christian you are back in Studio 22. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm happy to be back. And we have two of our friends one from Miami and one from Mobile. So Pastor Eddie welcome. Pastor Travis welcome. How are you guys doing today? Doing, doing great today. Good to, good to see you. Good to be with you both yes. as yeah. usual. So Travis you're a, a, a kind of a regular now on Surfcast. You've been on a couple of times but we invited your good friend and my new friend um, Eddie and you know, some people will say his name one way and some people will say it another. How do you pronounce his name, Travis? Jervis. <laughs> Jervis. Eddie, how do you pronounce your own name? It could be in French. French is Javet. Javet. Okay, we got it. We'll just stay with Christian and William. These are the simple names in the room. So, uh, good deal. Hey, guys, thank you for joining me today. Um, in this episode on Servcast, we're going to talk a lot about the current day issues that are facing us in the world. Uh, we know that racism um, seems to be at an all time high, at least visibility of that. And it is chaotic on every front. But um, I think it would help us, Eddie, if you tell us a little bit about the complexity of your family. It might seem complex to some people, but give us a little history for our listeners, um, because you kind of um, hit the ground on every area, I think. Talk to us. Okay, the complexity of my family, uh, my parents are Haitian. Um, my spiritual dad, uh, my pastor, is white. Um, my brothers, two brothers are, I got three brothers, two of them are in law enforcement, and they're married to, uh, I got some white sisters-in-law, two white sisters-in-law. I got interracial, interracial, biracial um, nephew and nieces, love them dearly. Um, and also, I'm a, I'm a police chaplain. And also, my associate pastor, my best right-hand man, is white. So it's a, I have a unique vintage point. Good deal. Travis, um, you pastor a multi-ethnic church. You've kind of been involved with um, a lot of things, especially with the COVID-19 situation. Give us a little bit about you for the listeners who have not yet met you. Pastor Pathway Church in Mobile, Alabama. I'm executive director of People for Care and Learning and um, graduate of Lee University. I can't be on here without saying that. <laughs> Actually, uh, the other day, uh, Dr. Lamb, somebody sent me um, uh, a picture, some kind of Lee University paraphernalia from the 90s that I was on. I was wearing some khaki pants with the biggest pleats that have ever been on a pair of khaki pants. So, it was funny. I saw it. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, let's not talk about that too much, but, uh, but yeah, th that's, that's me. That's me. Three kids, uh, married for 20 years and, uh, pastored in, uh, I pastored in Mobile, Alabama, 
Miami, Florida, or Homestead, Florida, and then also uh, Chicago, Illinois. Good deal. Well, guys, Christian and I are delighted to have this conversation with you. And so, as you know, some of these questions will come directly to each one of you. And then some of the questions will just um, pause and let each one of you make a response or one of you jump on over the other. You guys have worked well together in a lot of interviews. So, Eddie, let me start with you. Um, as a pastor and a law enforcement chaplain and a black brother, can you define this term racism that we find ourselves, you know, a lot of people talking about bigotry and they talk about racism. What does it really mean? And give us a definition, a working definition that we can have as a frame today. Now, you know, I'm going to give you the actual definition Webster would say. Webster would say, you know, a belief that race is primary dominant of human traits and capabilities and that racial difference that produce an inheritance superiority of a particular race. And if I would paint a picture of that, uh, it would be when I was talking to one of my members who works in a juvenile court and sitting there watching a judge give a black juvenile a harsh sentence and then a white juvenile who did the same thing or even worse a light sentence and they get to go home while the black juveniles spend it's about three to six months in prison in jail and then uh racism would look like a young man waiting on a corner for his black friend at a gas station and then a police two police officers pulls up and one is white one is black and the white one cursing i mean cursing like a sailor at the young man and the black officer saying nothing and that young man was me um then and then you could have you can you can see the video of you know of a of a black man is and trying to trying to understand what the police is trying to do. And then he see the police throws him a gun and he's like, I don't want that gun. And he throws that gun back and he's trying to run away. And he gets shot in the back. So that's how racism is, is, is being portrayed right now. And that's, that's the racism we have seen growing up in the inner city of Miami. And so, and that's the picture I can paint because that's the picture I have seen mm-hmm. unfold in my life. Mm-hmm. Pastor Travis, you're part of a movement of a number of pastors that are um, really delving into this idea of influence in the city. You know, you guys at Pathway have been involved in this as a catalyst since the whole COVID-19 situation occurred in our country. But why is it so important for the church to understand racism right now? And do you have any kind of biblical perspective or a, a reference that would help us better understand how we need to be approaching this from a Christian standpoint? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's, well, first of all, first of all, as we need to talk about uh, racism in, with the backdrop of uh, uh, protests, uh, the, George Flo- uh, the George Floyd uh, killing, you know, it's kind of, this is kind of like the cool thing to do right now. You know, let's, let's get some people together and talk about race, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, so really, I kind of just like to get that whole awkwardness out of the way, you know, mm-hmm. because just the, the trendiness of getting people together and go, Hey, I'm okay with you. And you're okay with me is, you know, it's just there. So, uh, for me, um, I think this idea of influencing the city, what are we, um, what are we called to do, uh, particularly in this environment drives me to, to Jeremiah chapter 29. And in Jeremiah 29, we see Israel in captivity in Babylon for 70 years 
And there, you know, of course, that's Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you and not to harm you, but and we, and we write and but to prosper you. We write those in that passage into a, a high school graduation card. It sounds so wonderful. But right there in that same passage, uh, Jeremiah says you will be in captivity for 70 years. Yeah. And so you have you have Israel actually in captivity in Babylon. And here's the charge that was given the charge that was given to them. That was to uh, plant gardens, to build houses, uh, to get married, to have children, to to multiply. Don't dwindle away. Pray for the peace of the city, because as a city prospers, you prosper. So I think for all of us, whether it's economics, whether it's race, whether it's age, or any characteristic you could possibly have that makes you different from someone else. Uh, if you're in someone else's culture, someone else is, is in your culture, it's incumbent on us as people of God to work for the prosperity of our city as we advance the gospel. When my city is blessed, then I'm blessed. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I think we have a kingdom agenda, uh, no matter where we are. If, if there's a kingdom agenda in Babylon, in captivity, then there should be a kingdom agenda right now in 2020. Uh, and so that's that's fairly that's fairly encouraging to me. Uh, no matter what happens, whether I agree with William Lamb or or Eddie Jervis or any you know anybody that would listen to this podcast, there is an overarching umbrella that says it's our agenda as Christians, as people of God, to work for the prosperity of our community that God has placed us in. What what does that look like? Because now one of you is in Mobile, one of you guys, you know, Eddie, you're down in in uh, little Haiti, as they call it, down in Miami. You know, yeah. So what does this look like to work for the prosperity of the city? Right now, when our cities are literally looking like a war zone, what does it look like, Pastor Travis, Pastor Eddie, to actually do what you just gave us a challenge to do? Well, right off the bat, I want to say this right up front, like we. You cannot watch the video with George Floyd, which my whole family's watched it. All of my children have watched it. You can't watch that mm-hmm. and and say that that was just, that was an injustice. And it was, not only was it an injustice, it was just very difficult to watch for, for a number of reasons. I think one of the reasons that the George uh, Floyd situation has captured our attention is because how slow it was. Eight minutes. Yeah. The officer is on George Floyd for you know, almost three minutes after he had already lost consciousness. So that grabs a hold of everyone's attention. And so, you know, um, we're talking about this, uh, we're discussing it. Um, but there are a lot of things that we're not going to agree on. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of things that, you know, Eddie sees life differently than I see life. And I can't help that. I can't help that I'm white. I cannot help that I'm 46 <laughs> I, years old. I can't help you know? I'm black too, my brother. <laughs> it, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing that we can do. And I don't want to apologize for being white and I don't want anybody to apologize to me for being black. I don't want us to pretend like we are somebody that we're not, but we've been placed in a culture. We've been placed in communities in relationship. Relationship isn't making everybody think like me or think like someone else. How the question is, how can I be faithful in the culture that God has placed me in the community, the relationships, right? And I think, and let me add to that, you know, how can you uh, be effective in the city? Um, I recalled um, when, um, when I was working with Mission Miami. Mission Miami is a, it's a, it's an organization that brings pastors together to pray every week. Uh, whether you're Latino, Haitian, 
African-American, um, Anglo-Saxon or Caucasian. We come together every week just mm. to, 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 to have fellowship and pray. It's more fellowship than prayer. Yeah, right. And, and so, which is good. And, and the Lord told me one day, he said, Eddie, if I gave you 10% of the city population, could you handle it? I said, no, because Miami is about 3 million, and that's those who count the census. We're not talking about all the other immigrants that won't get in that number. Um, so that, that's about 300,000. I said, no, Lord, I can't handle no church of 300,000. They said, okay, if I give you 3%, I start doing it. I said, like, no, Lord, I can't handle it. He said, so why are you trying to build your kingdom instead of building my kingdom in this city? Mm. You can only do it with a net type of network with other brothers and sisters in the Lord to bring Miami and Dade County to the Lord. So I had to get a kingdom mindset. And so when I got that kingdom mindset, I realized I cannot save the city by myself. And even if I went after the black population by itself, it was not saving the city. It took a multicultural, a kingdom mindset saying, Lord, thy will be done. And I'm willing to work with my Latino brothers. I'm willing to work with my white brothers. I'm willing to work with my African-American brothers. Because even among African-Americans and island and island people, blacks are Lots of differences. two different blacks, you know. And so I, I had to get that mindset. And, and then I started getting involved in city, um, city, city boards because I realized in order for me to know my city, I need to know what's going on. So for five years, my friend been trying to get me, my friend from YWAM, Youth with the Mission, he was my leader. He'd been trying to get me on a pol as a police chaplain for five years. And I kept telling him, no, I don't want to join. And then one day the Lord said, if you really want to know where your city is at without no filter, you need to look it through a police officer eyes because the police officer sees the virginity of the crime. And I was like, oh, okay, you are right. And when I started joining, uh, when I went ahead and became a chaplain, I realized police officers are struggling with their own life and the city as a whole and dealing with the, the 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 stuff that they see, you know, I didn't even know at in Miami that they had a that they had a building they called a suicide building, because that's where people would come to Miami and have fun for their last moments on earth and jump off that building. They have a building in wow. Miami that the police wow. officer called suicide, but nobody will put that on news because psychologically we cannot handle that. So you have police officers dealing with their own situation and their daily jobs. And so I had to learn, okay, you know what? I'm glad I joined because now I can see the state of my city and I know how to pray. I know what we need to do to address that situation. And I became a board member of the Community Relations Board. Community Relations Boards was formed out of the O.J. McDuffie riots in Miami. And so out of those riots, that's where this board was formed. And I joined and somebody, my commissioner told me to join that board so I can know what's going on among the community and the citizens. And so I was like, Lord, you know, this city, you can see, you can see where your city is at by just joining um, these community boards and even, you know, right along with a police officer. And you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised what you can see. And, and if you want to make a, good effect that you can create ministries in your church because you've been riding along with a police officer or you join a community board. Right. Okay. So when we're talking about, you guys have both mentioned that, um, that kingdom mindset and that kingdom agenda that we're called to. So when we're talking about making that a reality and not just having a kingdom mindset, but 
actually choosing to walk with kingdom actions in our modern day world, in our modern day America, just to get a base level to enter this conversation with, what type of political action are Christians called to take? You know, what type of politi- political activism are we called to? Okay, for me, um, the political activism, it's, um, it's just, first of all, it's the injustice. Where is, where is the injustice at? You know, and, and as we can see with this George, Mr. Mr. Floyd death, we can see the injustice and we can see it's not just his death. A lot of people believe that his death was the one that caused the massive global protest. But we have to look that this is not just one time. This is probably Black America snapping. Don't forget, we're coming off a pandemic. We're coming off of unemployment still going on with 40 million in unemployed compared from, um, that was yesterday's stats. We're coming from a COVID where the black community is affected the most. And so now you have a shooting of Mr. Ahmad, you have the shooting of the Ms. Um, Taylor, and then you have the, the, the park incident. So it's probably black America snapping. This is, you know, and it's finally saying enough is enough and what we can do with just, we gotta speak about injustice. Go and find, let's find judges, let's find lawyers, let's find state prosecutors that will stand up for justice. Um, go vote, that's what we tell our people, go vote and look at and look at the record, look at the track record. It's, I mean, some of those track records are public and we tell our people to go vote and see who are fair, who's, who's fair and, and, and will not treat one race one way and another race another way. Be fair, if the, you know, and give the verdict. If the verdict fits a crime, give the verdict without seeing the color or the race of the person. And so that's what I think is voting, seeing injustice, and also standing up for what is right. Standing up for what is right. Um, whether it's Republican or Democrat or independent, the thing is, is, is that person is fair, that person will do what is right according to the word. And you know, you got personal Christian convictions too. What does so, it look like when, when I'm, go ahead, Travis. Uh, when I'm thinking about um, uh, political activism, mm-hmm. um, marry that with a, or let's not say marry it, let's say put it in the same room with a Christian leader with a kingdom agenda and you're wanting to reach your city. So let's say we're all in Babylon and, and we're Jews. And then you have the Babylonians, you have Persians, you have all these different cultures there. You know, um, the, the churches that we pastored in Miami, in 50, 60 different nationalities on any given Sunday. Yep. Uh, you know, our, our church here in Mobile is about 40% African-American. We have Latinos, we have Asians, not nearly as many. Uh, Mobile is not the melting pot that, that uh, Miami was, but Mobile is a very diverse community as well. I know when I look out and I'm preaching, there's so many different filters, so many different lenses, worldviews that people are coming from. Mm-hmm. And so I have to determine, okay, what are the non-negotiables that I'm preaching about? What are the things, um, what are the things that I'm going to give the limited amount of time that I have to? What voice am I going to give to? Well, right away in my own personal political uh, viewpoint, I'm saying, okay, this, what do I think about? Like, I'm, I'm, I love capitalism. I love capitalism. 
I love low taxes. You know, I love a free market. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'm not going to preach a free market. I'm not going to that. I'm not going to spend my time trying to push that agenda. Now I'm going to speak to, you know, what Jesus said about the parable of the talents. And if you're faithful over what you have, God will trust mm-hmm. you with more. But I start looking at, okay, what are the uh, really essential pieces that we have to communicate? Eddie mentioned uh, just kind of in passing that um, we, we have to stand up for what's right. And if we see something that's wrong and we don't do anything about it, then that's wrong. The scripture mm-hmm. actually tells us yeah, yeah. no to do right and not to do it yeah. is sin. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I'm trying to, I think, uh, think of it like this, trying to triage biblical values. What are the most important things being able to determine in your mind, what are the negotiables? What are the kind of nice to haves that you have your political perspective Mm -hmm. that you're saying, Hey, I don't have to, uh, you know, die on this hill. These are not the things, um, I communicate about life. Um, I'm pro-life. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I have a heart for children. I, I don't know how believers can be okay with uh, Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. all over the world. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, uh, annual genocide that's going on silently. How can we not communicate to that? Well, then let's talk about even, uh, Christian, just communicating uh, about that. You look out in the congregation, and when you're talking about abortion, you know that there's a large population of the people in your church that have had an abortion, that have participated mm-hmm. in abortion, mm-hmm. they have funded abortion. And even in that discussion, it's not just about stopping the next abortion. It's about ministering to the person that has had an abortion, that has yep. participated in one. And we we are wanting to minister to, to everyone. So we can't totally separate our political views. So it's not like we can't be politically engaged. But I do think we have to triage what's the most important thing. The number one most important thing is that people know Jesus. Yeah. Number one. We start from there, and then we, we, I think we work our way down uh, from there. And those things that would cause us to lose voice and credibility um, by equalizing them with the gospel, I think we have to look really long and hard at what kind of energy we're giving to those types of activism okay so you you mentioned you know scripture tells us that if we see something that's not right and we don't stand up for Mm -hmm. it then we're wrong you know so when we see something like specifically what's happening in america today Mm -hmm. we know that what's happening is not right so Mm -hmm. where do we as christians who are rule and law followers where do we Mm -hmm. as christians become active you know what does scripture tell us about civil disobedience and civil protesting you know where is our position in that i, w- I would say first of all uh we embrace a, a right a constitutional right a god-given inalienable inalienable right to free speech to free speech which this is the very thing that, that guarantees our ability our ability our ability to gather as a church that, that's something that makes our country unique. We have that right. It's not a right that's been conferred to us, a privilege that you know, someone gave to us and they can, they can take it away at any point. It's like under the rule of thumb. Problem with the rule of thumb is that 
is largely dependent on the thumb of the ruler. And so when you get a new leader in, sorry, we're not going to let you meet like that. Now, that's not how free speech works. Mm-hmm. We protect and we speak for the right to speak out against any number of injustices. Um, if taxes are too high, you know, you can have a tea party. If, if there is um, literally a Boston tea party, right? You, um, if there is an injustice with George Floyd, then people rally up in uh, Minneapolis or in Mobile. And so, you know, we ought to be clear in condemning what happened to George Floyd. And we ought to stand for people's freedom to speak. But just like we condemn that uh, terrible atrocity right now, we also ought to condemn injustices where people are hijacking free speech and are rioting, burning buildings, killing mm-hmm. um, people. We, we can't be, um, what would be the word I'm looking for? We can't be selective yeah. in what we deem to be right because right, righteousness yeah. is just righteousness. Mm-hmm. And um, I also, I wanted, you know, when you say, what can we do as Christians? I think when we see the issues going on within the Christian world, you know, if we see of the poor being taken advantage of, of not receiving just, we need to say something. The same thing with the, the, the African-Americans, uh, we African-Americans. I think that we already started by acknowledging that there is a problem we acknowledging that there is a problem when we see law enforcement taking taking action this way against a particular culture, a particular ethnicity. And then we see that we now I see with the protests, we're affirming that, you know, I see the problem and I see how this problem impacting you as a as a black person. And, I, and I'm glad that um, we're taking that step forward because now America is, because the difference between this protesting that's unfolding right now and what we've seen in the Rodney King, it was blacks against whites and blacks was coming after whites and whites was um, um, trying to defend themselves and everything. And, and we saw the, we saw the rate, the racial fighting between the two races, but this one right here is, we're seeing, we're seeing Latinos, we're seeing whites, we're seeing blacks protesting together. And that's why, and it's good to see that because now people are saying, we acknowledge there's a problem and we affirm that this particular diversity or this particular ethnicity has a problem and it's impacting them. And I, and I, think, I think we have grown in that aspect. I think the next step is that we have to take action, you know, so acknowledgement, affirmation, and now we got to take action. And action is not like, um, I like what Travis started off with, it's not sitting down and having these little conversations, which is good. This is a good start. But I think we could take it further. And, you know, I, and the reason why I appreciate Travis is Travis, I told Travis this, I said, Travis, you're the first Caucasian pastor that invited me to preach at your church. Wow. I said, you're the first, you know, I said, I said, I've been doing ministry at that time for almost 21 years or 22 years. And he's the first. Now I'm going to tell you, I've, I've been preaching in Latino church for um, longer than that. Latinos, uh, it's, it's almost like immigrants understand each other. And so a Latino invited me a while back to preach in their church, but Travis was the first. And I appreciate that. And, and we can take action by pastors switching pulpits or pastors hanging around more often that it don't have to, it don't have to be a, a fly by night. 
you know, or hanging out. And so we need to take action and then not only boycott, help with boycotting things, we probably need to, like I said, vote or, or, or we ask our white friends, you have more influence in, uh, in the judicial system than we do. Say something with us. And, that, and that's what we're asking our, uh, those who have the power to influence their, their white congregation to say something, do something with us, hang out with us, see what we're asking for, get to know us. And um, you, you will see, we will build um, camaraderie, but also we'll be able to, hand, to do the protest. And like we do in the protest together, that this protest went global. This is the different, this protest went global. 169 yeah. cities, and I think the difference is we have more whites, whites and Latinos protesting with us, and because of that, it's, it's, it's able to make a greater impact. And so that's what we're asking our, our Christian brothers and sisters from diverse ethnicities to join us, and if you have a voice of influence, help us or, and help the Black community around you and to make a difference. And I think because of the Latino and the and the whites joining together with us protesting. That's why this went global. I think that's why this is different, and this wave is very different. And so I just I just want to commend and I want to thank those who are joining with us and protesting. And I say let's take it a step further. Let's start let's start putting people in office um, that will do right. Uh, that has a Christian perspective. That's number one. Like, like Travis said, try to get a Christian perspective because then they'll come from a biblical point of view. And then those will be fair with um, no matter what ethnicity standing in front of them, they'll be fair to do justice. One of the, yeah, I think uh, along, along those lines there, Eddie, I think in order for us to um, be united standing against um, injustice is there has to be integrity in that yeah. commitment because mm -hmm. we, we will have trouble um, finding a platform to stand together with if we close a, a blind eye and a deaf ear to uh, people who are engaging in unjust tax just because they're allying with us mm -hmm. or just because they're allying themselves with a group. The, mm -hmm. And I, I'll be honest, man, I've just been, you know, this has been a, a, a heavy season, I think particularly heavy, not only because of what happened with George Floyd, not only because of mm -hmm. the riots. I'm not talking about protesting. I'm talking about the riots. Mm -hmm. But then it's also on top of COVID. You know, mm -hmm. and I, I remember thinking like four weeks ago, I thought, man, I'm overtight. We have worked and we've hustled, you know, as pastors, we've been rebuilding churches and you kind of get to this place where like, Hey, I'm really looking forward to getting this lined out because I'm about ready for some time off. They're not really like normal weeks. They're very yeah. long days and long, long weeks. So, um, but I, I think for us to, for us to um, find biblical common ground united around biblical truth, then we have to stay united around biblical truth. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I mean, seeing, um, seeing people trying to stop um you know violence and then them becoming a victim of violence yeah and to turn an eye to that is very difficult i feel like that will cause any opportunity for unity to um to really come apart and so our voices our leaders um 
in every arena need to be speaking. And I do feel like right now there has been an absence of like the celebrity to come out and speak against injustices that we're seeing concerning, um, you know, riots. Um, and then at times there you have people that are hesitant to condemn uh, racism because for whatever reason, maybe there's some beneficial type thing. We, we have to just be united in saying, no, this is my community. This is my town. Hey, I know your mom. I mean, your mom, son, you're, you're part of my church, you know, be, be careful who you're hanging with. Be careful who you're running with. And yeah. so maybe, maybe the upside of some of the big voices that have uh, been slow to come out is maybe a reemergence of the community pastors and leaders in the community that are, are married to the fabric of the community. And it's important for yeah. that community to do well. Yeah. And then, but the, the thing about that, Travis, what I've noticed, I think the reason, one of the reasons that these big voices, uh, actors and probably um, entertainers, having come out a little bit is because um, social media being yeah. hammered. Because what they're saying is, hold up, you haven't been about civil civil issues or 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 race racial issues, and all of a sudden you think because um, you have a name that you can speak on these things. Because when things was not when things was okay, you wasn't saying much, but all of a sudden you want to build a platform, and so they've been getting burned because they're, they they want to say something, but they're a lot of people thinking they're doing that to increase their fame. So yeah. they have learned from the last incident with a police officer and a black individual that, you know what, they're going to be slow to speak because many of them got burned because mm -hmm. they didn't speak on social issues. Do you, do you think that maybe there's no tidy uh, engagement here? Like there's nobody that's coming out of this unscathed. You yeah. know, like if you're, you're going to speak – you're going to catch flack from somebody. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. Right. It's going to happen. But it, it's worse on them, believe me, because uh, because like anything they put up, they're going to get burned. And I think right now, I think the people is ready for uh, a, a voice that they trust. And I think the church need to have their own mm. separate protests as a as a, not so much a protest, but a coming together, black church, white mm. churches having their own march. And saying, you know what, we're going to do our own march. And while the world is marching, and probably some will get out of hand when it, when the it always get out of hand when the sun drops, when the, when when it's nighttime. Um, but the church is going to march, which we're trying to do in Miami. We're trying to bring the uh, all the churches, Latino, Blacks, Hispanic churches together, coming together and say, you know what, we we we're we're going to speak against injustice, but we're going to do it in a Christ-like way. And so that's what we're trying to do down here. And we're trying to get the final approval with the mayor where diverse churches coming together and saying, you know what, we stand for injustice, but also we're unified as the body of Christ, um, as brothers and sisters that we want to show unity. You guys both hit on something that I think is really important to discuss in having this conversation. You guys were talking about how people, especially people in positions of authority or positions of influence are often afraid to speak out about such a quote unquote touchy issue because mm -hmm. they're afraid that they'll kind of be cut down for it um, or be, you know, called out for engaging in something they never, they've never engaged in before. Um, Dr. Lamb and I were just talking about this before 
we started recording um, about the requirement and the responsibility for people in power. Um, you know, not that I have influence as, cele- as a celebrity or anything, but I'm a white woman. So sometimes, you know, me and a lot of my friends have been discussing, should we feel guilty using the spotlight that we have just because of the color of our skin? Should we feel guilty for speaking out on something when we're not the ones directly affected by it? You know, I think there's a, some cognitive dissonance between as a person of influence, whether it's mm-hmm. because I'm a celebrity, I'm a pastor, I'm white. Should mm-hmm. I be speaking out or should I be attempting to relinquish my influence and give it to someone that deserves it right now that doesn't have a voice because they're oppressed? What does that look like, do you guys think? Hmm. I think it's almost like it's, you can go both ways. Um, if you do have the influence and and I, and I say this, if you do have the influence and people sense that that you're genuine about your influence, you're, you're passionate about what you're saying, you know, through tone, body tone, and plus your past. Your, pa- your past plays a role. And if they sense you're genuine about it, Blacks, African-Americans, and, or we will say, okay, elite, you're genuine about it, but let not just be this one moment. Let's continue to practice this. Uh, let's do, when, when the cameras is off, will you come by? Check up on me, how I'm doing. What can I do to help you? That's where that's what gen, you, empathy. You're showing empathy, and you and you're following up with that empathy. And the other side is, if you know you in, you 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 have influence, and like Travis did for me, he did it for me with Church of God. I was a newbie. I was coming in the Church of God, and Travis uses influence to say, "Hey, here is my friend Eddie." Awesome church, boom, 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 and 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 because I'm gonna tell you right now, because of Travis, that's the only reason people know me as Church of God, because he uses influence to say, "Hey, here's my friend. Take a look at him. Let him hear what he has to say." And he passed that platform, standing next to them and not back backing away and leaving them alone, but just supporting them. And so it could go both ways. It could go both ways. Well, the first one is using your influence to follow up. And then the next one is using your platform and encouraging that person. And I don't, I don't think we should ever relinquish uh, influence. You know, yeah. I, I've heard uh, I've heard people say, "Well, you you know, you don't have AIDS, so you can't speak to it, or you don't have a degree, so you can't even speak to this." Man, I'm man, I'm just me. I'm just me. And so God's given each one of us a circle of influence, and we use it. The reality is, you know, Eddie, you're giving me credit for, um, you know, for whatever. I think I ought to get a finder's fee for the Church of God because you're in our family. You know, like you're you're like uh, Diet Kevin Hart. You know, you got this infectious smile. And uh, hey, uh, Dr. Lamb, one time I rode from Miami to Orlando um, with Eddie for a conference, and I got there. I said, I'm never riding in a car with you for another four hours ever again. I laugh so much. I have biceps on my cheeks. You know, I mean, just, um, but you know, I, I don't want it. Yeah. It it was a good conference, but I don't want to, and no, I don't think anyone wants to give, share their influence with someone they don't trust. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's not like, you know, nobody did, uh, a you when you, when you platform somebody in your church for the first time, 
you know, uh, to take the offering or to preach. You better know what you're getting into because just by putting them on a platform, now there's a credibility that has been transferred to those people that they say, hey, because this person has endorsed them, I'm going to go ahead and start them off at a level of trust that they don't have otherwise. Now you got to handle that platform. That plant, you have you have to be ready for for that moment. Yeah. And so, to me, it's not like giving something away. It's like discovering a great place to eat. You know, man, this restaurant. I know Dr. Lamb, you love working that big green egg. You know, you're you you cook food really good. So that matters to you. When I find a good restaurant, you know, when you're coming to Mobile, I'm always trying to get you in the great restaurants. I'm coming back. I think I think that's the key is that look there there are a lot of bad white people and there are a lot of bad black people and there are a lot of bad cops and there's a there's a lot of bad pastors yep but you know what we we, we got to we got to know that there's some really incredible people sure. in all those areas and yeah. you know I don't I don't want anybody to judge me as a pastor because of what somebody else, what somebody else did. So in the sharing of influence, you know, I get influence from Eddie as well, from Eddie. Actually, I need to say thank you to Kevin Fisher at Miami Vineyard for, uh, for getting us together. Actually. That is, that's I, true. I, I, that's yeah, true. that's right. Um, he Ruby probably Tuesdays. deserves <laughs> Yeah, Ruby Tuesdays. Um, so I, I think it's making sure that, um, that the people we're sharing influence with our kingdom people, our kingdom minded people that can steward influence that we give right. because pe people will say and do and lead people into all kinds of different directions. What I know, what I want to, what I want to know about Babylon is I want to know that I'm leading the people that I'm responsible for into building homes, planting gardens, uh, mm -hmm. helping the children marry people who share the same values and advance a kingdom, not a color not a socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. All of those things will fade one day. One day we'll stand before Christ and it, you know, those things, those things will have faded. Um, I want to make sure that those most important characteristics are those kingdom may, biblical characteristics. Yeah. We just have a, a few more minutes left on this episode, guys. I'd love to talk for another hour, but uh, we probably have about 10 minutes left on this particular episode, but one of the struggles for me has been um, I didn't have the history of using my platform and speaking out, you know, in a way that probably I should have um, before this occurrence happened. And now, man, it's just, I mean, I'm telling you guys, my, my heart is the heaviest it's probably ever been in my life, you know, with what's going on in our world. And um, so for me, the struggle of, you know, do I share, do I use my platform? So I did. I shared a couple of posts, you know, and and had some great responses from some uh, some trusted voices, both in, you know, um, whites and blacks. And and also um, the concern I have, though, is. I have a self-discovery, Travis, you know, I, I'm not well versed like I need to be. I don't know as much as I need to know about race relations in our in our world and in our culture. So every day I'm reading and I'm picking up and I'm trying to find more information so that I can be better informed so that I can, you know, either speak when I need to or encourage, you know, um, a platform for somebody else. My question then is to you guys, what, what suggestions do you have for people like me that, you know, man, we, we want to say something now I've adopted this idea of listening. I'm listening more to learn more than I've ever done in my life. Um, 
but yet I still want to speak at some point and say something to, you know, help bring some reform and some change. What, what suggestions or advice would you have for people like that, that they're toying with, they have a certain bit of influence, they have some, you know, some playing, some playing chips that they can put on the table. What do we do guys? What do we do, Eddie? What, what do I do as a, a white man, police chaplain, you know, who really doesn't, and I am a chaplain myself, who doesn't really understand what it's like to live in your skin. But yet I care deeply for you and people, you know, who are different than me. What, what do we do? And, and, and this, is a, this is a real question for me because it's a real battle on the inside yeah. of my heart. Well, I'm going to, it's not Martin Luther, but I'm going to give can't hear you. Eddie. This, you can hear me? Yeah, I can now. Go ahead. Okay. I said, I'm, it's not Martin Luther 95 thesis, but I'm going to give you the 75 thesis that someone put out what white people can do. And so just Google it. It says 75 things white people can do for racial justice. And it got some good pointers in there. I don't agree with all, but it got some good pointers in there. So that's a a good point that where somebody as an African-American said, you know what? I know a lot of white people want to have questions what they can do with their platform. And they they printed out 75 things white people can do for uh, the racial justice. and I think um, just like you said, take time to listen and hear the repeated words or, or words that are being used and then use your uh, platform, wherever your platform is or your influence, like Tara said, wherever your influence are, use that. That's where you should influence. But don't go in the area where you don't have much influence to try to say something. Mm-hmm. And so use your, your platform of influence, your people group, you know, your tribe, we would call it, use your voice for your tribe. And then the, and then when you're, when you're trying to speak something to another tribe, try to, try to go first to the person who can influence that tribe, right. build relations where you can say something. But um, I would say use your voice of influence in the tribe that you have that influence in. Mm-hmm. That's what I would encourage people to do. Mm-hmm. I, and, and say something. Don't, don't, not saying nothing is, is, is going to be a little bit detrimental later on, but say mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. What, what's the plan? What, let me ask you guys, both of you guys a closing question and then we'll have final remarks from you. But what, um, what was race relations like before the George um, Floyd case? And, um, and then what, um, what's it like now? And then what is your plan to help bring unity because you two guys are on the front lines, you're pastoring influential churches, you know, you have tremendous reach um, in the kingdom work, um, you know, and in, and in Christian circles. And I know for a fact, you know, with you, Travis, I haven't been to your place yet, Eddie, but I've been to Travis's place, you know, in the work that they're doing. That sounded to me like Dr. Lamb was trying to invite himself to your place. <laughs> I'll let Eddie. you use your influence to invite me to his place, Travis, but uh, <laughs> I've been to Travis's place and I've seen what they're, what they're doing there, but what's your plan to help continue this call to unity for all races, for all people, um, you know, that other church pastors or leaders that are listening to us, you gave me the 75 for white folk, but what's the ones for, uh, from each of you for uh, pastors and leaders that are must do's right now to bring about this unity that we're looking for. I think one of the pieces is just modeling a life that loves people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I, I love teaching. I love, I love preaching. 
I missed that so much during COVID when we went to online only. I realized that I'm having conversations with human beings that are sitting in front of me. And when you're preaching into a, a screen, it's, it's a different animal, you know. Yes, it is. Uh, but the modeling, you know, some messages, some messages are taught, but the best ones are just caught. You know, I, when I was a kid, my dad was always trying to tuck my hair in the, the back of my baseball cap. And, and I would put on my hat and pull my hair out the back. <laughs> and one day he said, Travis, why, why is your hair always sticking out of the back? of You know, it's like a trucker's cap or a baseball cap. Why is your hair always sticking out? I said, I want to be like you, daddy. He would pull it, put his hat on from back to front, and then a little tuft of hair would stick out the back. So I was just doing what I saw my dad do. That's wow. all. I even I noticed when I walk fast, my thumbs kind of stick out. That's my that's how my dad walked. So you just pick up these lessons. You can see this in a mall. You see a pack of 16-year-old kids walking along, all dressed the same, you know. So it's important in how we live. And if we love people, our kids are more likely to love people. It's not even a, it's not even a race thing. It's a, it's a Jesus thing. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a learning how to demonstrate the kingdom in our life. And, you know, we're not going to talk about race every week. Eddie's not, I don't think you're talking about race every week. You know, I mean, obviously it's on people's minds right now. We're we're speaking into that, but you know, we'll, we'll get, we get through this particular season we're in. You know what I want people to see about my life, about my church, is that we reflect the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's in, that's important. I, and I'm not having like a particular speakers come in or hanging out with people because I need to be seen with them. I know Eddie's not doing that. It's there's a real relationships that have been mm-hmm. developed over time. I want to read this passage and then Eddie can do his his part. But to me, this is something that really, I think, should guide the church, particularly the church. Um, you know, I know we're dealing with the uh, protests right now, but in a very short amount of time, we won't. And the big issue isn't going to be us pointing at police officer, at a police officer. It, it's going to be just looking at our lives and how are we to live with people who see life differently than us. You know, the grandparents in our churches, our kids, my kid, my son has more YouTube subscribers on his channel as as a 12 year old than our church does on our church channel. You know, just think, they think people think differently. Every, my great grandfather would say, if, if two people always have the same opinion, one of them is unnecessary. Here's what, here's, here's what Colossians, Colossians chapter three, I'm going to read verse 12. I I feel like this is biblical direction from Paul on how we're to walk with people that are different than us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This is is a really good part. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. I I don't want somebody to take that out of context. I want to say, Oh, people should not be offended because of what happened to George Floyd or some other injustice. But, you know, let's be less offended, less offended generally. Everybody, you go to Waffle House, you get bad service, you write about it on Facebook. Man, put your Facebook, you know, just chill, just slow it down just a little bit. 
Um, remind, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, uh, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. And he, he goes on. We're, repre we're representing Christ. That's not to create a, uh, I don't want to create a, a partial picture because scripture clearly tells us to, to stand for righteousness. Mm -hmm. But if the only way that we can walk with other people, other races, other ethnicities, other socioeconomic statuses, other political affiliations, is if they always agree with us, you better be ready to be very lonely. And God did not call us to be alone, but he called us to be a part of a family. Good. That's ready. The, the verse that comes forth, I mean, the verse that comes up and the parable that comes up is um, the, um, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, somebody is going to be on the side and somebody's going to be bleeding and, and they're waiting for help. And like the guy said, who is my neighbor? The one who helped the guy that's bleeding on the side of the road. Yeah. And, and I think, and I think like, like Travis said, if we just show the love of Christ, um, the world will see it. The world will see it. And I think that that's the best influence of all, just showing the love of Christ and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Whether you, and you know, and, and I, I remember one thing about YWAM. Um, you may not speak their language, but love is a universal language. They, they will know that you love them whether you speak their language or not. And so go the same with um, diversity and ethnicity and race. Love. Good. And that's Good. what I got to I, say. I love you, Eddie Jervis. I love you, too, Travis. And guess what? Don't let Travis fool you, man. He's bringing me in this weekend so we can discuss this stuff that's, that, um, that's unfolding. And I thank Travis because he's forward thinking and, um, and, and pastors like him sometimes get, uh, get, get backlash from other pastors. But I just, I just thank God for his boldness and for, uh, for stepping forward and being proactive and just calling me and say, Ed, I, you know, he called me and said, come up here this Sunday and let's see, we can talk this thing out and, yeah. and how can we address this as, as pastors. So I really thank him for just being that forward thinker and being proactive uh, in the midst of this racial See, tension. This stuff is easy, man. We've been doing life. You know, Eddie, you, you preached my dad's funeral. You spoke at my dad's funeral. Mm -hmm. You're special. You're, you and Delphine are amazing people, amazing leaders. And uh, Dr. Lamb, you're, you're an incredible friend. I know this about all of us. Kristen, I know this about all of us. Uh, the closer we get to the cross of Christ, mm -hmm. the closer we get to one another. Amen. We, we don't have to think the same. We, I, I appreciate that, Eddie, for not making me be somebody other than who I am. Thank you for uh, allowing me not to check my thoughts at the door. And I uh, hope you always feel the same uh, with me, Dr. Lamb. I hope you always feel the same with me. But, man, I'm, I, I believe we're all committed to growing in Christ, to growing in love for one another, for transforming our communities, the entire community.
community and bring as many people along as we possibly can. Right. Hey, Christian, yeah. closing thoughts on this, on this topic. Yeah, I'm just really, I'm thankful for you guys that you're willing to engage in this discussion with us. You know, um, Pastor Travis, you were talking about, you know, we don't have to think the same, um, but we need to be in this together. It reminds me, the verse that's been weighing really heavy on my heart this week, 1 Corinthians 12, 26, you know, if, if one part suffers, it all suffers. Mm, um, good I think, you know, we don't all have to think the same, but we have to suffer together. And when we see a, a part of the body of Christ suffering, we should, mm -hmm. we're suffering too, you know, and it's all of our responsibility to, to take action. Um, so I, I think, like you said earlier, um, this isn't the end. This little conversation that we've had is um, a beginning step for us, but I appreciate you guys engaging in this conversation with us and starting off that action. Hey guys, um, enjoy your time together on this weekend without me there. Thank you for the invite, Travis. I would have liked to have came to be with Eddie, but just kidding, guys. Seriously, um, how can they get a hold of you, Eddie? You got an email, Travis. You got an email if somebody's in Mobile or in their Miami or anywhere else, and they want to reach out to you guys. How do they get to you? Yeah, actually, for me, you could go to travisjohnson.net. Has all my social profiles there, and I'd love to connect up. That would be really wonderful. All right, Eddie. You can reach me at Eddie G, E-D-D-Y-G, 7777 at gmail.com. Or you can just look me up on social media, CCC Miami. Good deal. All right, guys, last comments. Um, promotion for Influence the City. What you got coming up, Travis? Tell us. July, July 9th and 10th at Cornerstone Church in Athens, Georgia. It's going to be yeah. a really great time for people that want to advance the kingdom, uh, want to influence the city, and, and want to uh, – reach people for the gospel. It's going to be a great time. We're talking uh, finances. We're talking uh, partnerships, networks, and these are all incredible. In my opinion, they're incredible leaders that are doing this in their community. They're not, they're not uh, theoreticians. They're practitioners. Uh, they're people that love their cities. A lot, a lot of them are, you know, long-term, a lot of, a lot of them are young, uh, sharp thinkers, aggressive folks. And uh, we'll get down and share some of the things that we've learned and some of the things we could tell you what not to do. We're going to have a fantastic time. Guys, thank you so much. Influence, for influence. I'm sorry. Influence the dot city. Influence the dot city. It's a uh, free registration for senior pastors, free hotel at a really beautiful downtown oh. uh, Hyatt there in, in uh, Athens, Georgia. Oh, Eddie said he's going. <laughs> yeah, you don't better. Get, Eddie, Eddie's speaking. He, he's he's got to make it. I saw it. Guys, listen, thank you for joining us today on this episode. And Eddie, I'm sure we'll get you back on Surfcast again at some point. Thank um, you. Glenn. Appreciate it. Thank you got you. it. For those that are listening, thank you very much for joining us. As always on Surfcast, let me remind you, you're made for more. We are to be salt and light in a world of chaos. Find out a place and, a, and an opportunity in which you can make a difference and then do what you're called to do. Until next time, have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to Surfcast with Dr. William Lamb. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Surfcast to stay updated on special guests and future episodes.